Welcome to Season 2 of the Undetected Narcissist Podcast. Your host, Angela Meyer, is here to bring you clarity if you are stuck in confusion. She is an award-winning hypnotherapist, wellness coach, trauma recovery specialist, and NLP practitioner. In Season 2, Angela will cover various mental health topics that are designed to shift your perspective and support humanity as a whole. There is always a blog post with supporting information, so please visit undetectednarcissist.com. So enjoy, relax, listen, and learn as we embark on this wonderful podcast today with you. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Undetected Narcissist. Today, I'm going to be talking about the window of tolerance. Before I do, I just want to do a little housekeeping. I have two more episodes I'm going to finish up for season two, and then we will be done for the year. And I'm really excited about that. The last two episodes I have after this one will be interviews. And um, I think you're all going to enjoy that. So let's dive in. What is the window of tolerance. So in my research about pathological demand avoidance, I stumbled upon the window of tolerance. I was surprised only a few authors spoke of the window of tolerance or even helped one to understanding the window of tolerance. There is great value in learning about it. Therefore, I will discuss the window of tolerance and unpack it and unpack why it is valuable to anyone's emotional and mental state. I realize humans should learn these four facts when understanding and implementing a stress management routine. The four keys to stress management are the window of tolerance, hyperarousal, hypoarousal, and nervous system check-in. So the window of tolerance is about everyone's ability to engage with the world socially. It is one sense of safety with people and the world around them. It is the parasympathetic mode, ventral vagal. The window of tolerance has to do with our ability to tolerate how we engage with society and the world. One sense of safety, our curiosity levels, our energetic levels, our sense of connection, feeling grounded, and lastly, staying centered and balanced. You have heard me speak about trauma in the past. I have talked about how people react or respond when they experienced trauma. Why I am discussing trauma here is because their tolerance of window will shrink or become paper thin when someone undergoes trauma. They become easily startled, irritated, and aggressive. Then others shut down. A person will have no energy, feel fatigued, and are disconnected from the world and the people around them. Well, I just explained hyperarousal, which mobilizes people into action, fight or flight, and hypoarousal, where one becomes immobilized and they collapse and fall into helplessness. Hypoarousal is the flop or freeze trauma response. So let's unpack the two because there is a purpose 
to all this information. Everyone has a window of tolerance. Your window of tolerance is a way of conceptualizing your bandwidth or capacity to tolerate intense emotions. One's window of tolerance is the optimal zone for one to deal with stress effectively. Stress and trauma tend to shrink one's window of tolerance. When your tolerance window has shrunk, it can be hard to stay calm and focused under stressful situations or intense emotional states. Therefore, when one is outside their window of tolerance, one can more easily be thrown off balance. So imagine in the middle and above, below the window, there are two different states. So the window is in the middle. Above the window of tolerance is hyper arousal state, the sympathetic nervous system. Below the window is hypo arousal state, the parasympathetic nervous system. When it comes to adapting and processing intense emotions healthily, it is best done when one is in the window of tolerance. Here's why. When one is in the window of tolerance, one can react to stress, anxiety, and intense emotions more effectively because it is significant. But when one's window of tolerance has shrunk due to trauma or extreme stress, one will react and respond either in hypoarousal or hyperarousal state. One will either explode like a volcano or freeze like ice. Think of it as one is hot and one is cold, polar opposites. Now, I want to teach you how to understand hyperarousal. Many people understand the purpose of fight or flight response because it allows one to either fight off the threat or run away from it. This response is necessary and valuable because hyperarousal gives one the energy they need to escape the situation. The problem is times have changed. We are not fighting off wild animals. We have seen how wild animals will release their energy that has been built up due to hyperarousal. People have witnessed how dogs shake, bark, or run around to get the extra energy released because it's causing them stress. The animal is not stuffing it down like most humans. The animal is releasing it. This trapped extra energy must be released healthily, such as dancing, singing, exercising, running, or some other physical activity. When one releases the extra energy, they will enter back into the window of tolerance. So here are the mental and emotional traits of hyperarousal. Anger, frustration, aggression, panic, fear, worry, irritation, impulsivity, stress, anxiety, high energy level, reckless behavior. There are hyperarousal physiological traits such as muscle tension, fast heart rate, high levels of cortisol and adrenaline, shallow and quick breathing, high blood pressure. 
Now, understanding hyperarousal can be easy when you think of a volcano. In today's world, hyperarousal can be challenging to avoid, and here's why. The stressors most people face today are less eminent and more long-term. Instead of being chased by wild animals, in today's world, we have to perform well at work. We have to attend school, and we have to get good grades. We, at home, we have to pay our bills on time. We have to figure out how to get ourselves out of debt if you went to college, or how to pay off your car. All these things are so challenging. It's really, really hard. The stress is different. Our bodies are not designed to deal with this kind of day-to-day stress. When hyperarousal kicks into gear, it is because it is designed to protect us when we're faced with pressure. But it is not the stress that would require one to fight or run away. Therefore, when this happens, one can quickly get stuck in hyperarousal. Therefore, the energy gets stuck. The stress response becomes frozen in the body, trapped energy, because the body cannot complete the stress cycle, releasing the trapped energy. Understanding hyperarousal, or actually I should say hypoarousal, is easy when you think of frozen water. When someone is experiencing hypoarousal, our parasympathetic nervous system takes over to shut us down. This happens when we face too much stress or change within the body. Our nervous system will protect us from overwhelming stress and anxiety by shutting a person down. This response is good because it allows us to play dead in the threat of danger. It could explain why some people faint their body can't handle the overwhelming stress response, and the person can pass out. Yet, we do not live in a world where we often have to play dead to make a mama bear leave us alone or faint when we fall off the side of a mountain. Hypoarousal can take over at inconvenient moments. I'm going to give you a very good example. When we are overwhelmed with a big project at work, or let's say a deadline, hypoarousal may shut us down and prevent us from being able to work on it. So let's say you have an important meeting with your boss. Hypoarousal may prevent one from having the courage, energy, and motivation to approach them. Hypoarousal occurs on a spectrum. And when someone can have a mild experience, while others can become immobilized and can't even move. When someone can't move, this happens in the context of extreme trauma. This can be considered a sensory overload for kids with autism. So I'm going to give you two examples of hypoarousal. The first one, and this is not in the blog post, is I was working with a client last week and I realized, wow, this woman had hypoarousal so bad. And one of the ways she pointed it out to me is she said, I could be sitting outside staring at my plants and I know I need to water them. And I will sit there for 30 minutes knowing I need to water them and I just don't have the energy. 
I cannot get up and water those plants. And it drives me crazy. And she could not understand how she had really bad hyperarousal. And so I explained it to her, my theory, this is my perspective, and I am working on getting this clinical data and probably hopefully written up. When I met this woman, she experiences extreme pain, extreme, extreme pain, and she can hardly walk. She hasn't been able to walk properly for 20 years. And I told her, so think about the window of tolerance, hyperarousal, hyperarousal. Everybody in the beginning wants to fight. We want to fight it off. We want to get a cure. I said, so you probably fought with the doctors. You argued. You were angry. You kept getting stuck in this hyperarousal state. And you got paper thin because you couldn't fight it. And then you accepted defeat, which then stuck you in hypoarousal. So at first, when you look at those plants, you know you need to water them and you might get angry and irritated with yourself because you can't do it. But then you shut down and you accept defeat because it's just too much effort. And she looked at me and she said, you're right. You're exactly right. So let me give you the other example. This has to do with my son. My son has extreme hypoarousal. When asked to shower, brush his teeth to get dressed or just go off to school, at times he will shut down as if I said it in the wrong way, or he is experiencing high anxiety levels. Therefore, he can't move. It can take him 30 minutes in the shower to just be able to wash his hair. He knows he has to wash his hair. He just can't do it. His body is frozen, yet his mind is foggy. All right? So understanding hyperarousal, the mental and emotional traits of hyperarousal are brain fog, less energy, numbness, depression, disassociation, lack of focus, technology addiction, shutdown, fatigue, sleeplessness, cravings for substances. And the hypoarousal physiological traits are digestive issues, sensitivity to the cold, irregular heartbeat, shallow and irregular breathing, and over or underactive immune system. So understanding hypoarousal and hyperarousal. Therefore, Hyperarousal means one is in the sympathetic dominant state and our nervous system turns on to mobilize us into action. It forces us to either move towards the danger to fight it off or turn away from the threat of danger. Hyperarousal means our parasympathetic nervous system takes over and shuts us down. Now, how large is your window of tolerance. If you are a parent, you know patience is essential. Your little one is pushing your patience, your boundaries, and it's, and you are trying your best not to leave your comfortable tolerance window. People who grew up in traumatic homes where they continuously face trauma often did not have the opportunity 
to develop a window of tolerance. They might have little patience and tolerance for little children. For others, their window of tolerance is paper-thin or almost non-existent, and life is miserable. When one stays in a stressed state, prepared for action, or doled out to experience less of it, it protects us when our unhealthy environment is chronically traumatizing. That could explain why someone you know within your family is always quick to explode into rage or anger, and another family member might be considered slow like a snail and constantly depressed and numbed inside. So, like all the stuff I do, I want to give tools and tips and tricks. So I want to teach you now how to check in with your nervous system. If you want to expand your window of tolerance, doing daily nervous system check-ins is recommended. It is also essential to learn how to map our nervous system. Self-observation is the best tool. Once you know how to observe yourself with successful results, you can better support others when they have left their window of tolerance. Here are some tips. Nervous system check-in. To begin, one should commit or agree with themselves to do the work, okay? Do regular, do it regularly. Once or twice a day check-in is good. I suggest doing it for 30 days because it does take 30 days for a new behavior to become a habit. To begin, you want to be in a quiet place if possible. Close your eyes and take in a deep breath. When you let the breath out, I want you to let it out really slow because when we let the breath out slowly and focused, it slows the nervous system down. It really relaxes the body and that's important. Now you want to scan the body and note how you are feeling mentally, emotionally, and any physical sensations. Now, I want you to review the list of traits under the hypo-arousal and hyper-arousal list. Are you experiencing any of those traits? So here's an example. When one can identify that their heart rate has increased, they feel agitated, anxious feelings of worry, fear, or anxiety, this person has entered the hyper-arousal state. At this point, this person should do grounding and calming techniques to move the trapped, restless energy out of the body. This person can also do breathing exercises and they can pace their heart rate. And if you remember from above, you can do exercise. You can sing, you can dance, just do something to release that energy and feel good again inside your body, mind, heart, spirits. So moving on. When someone is feeling brain fog, disconnection, lack of energy, and no display of emotions, this person may choose to go outside and walk quickly. Some people splash cold water on their face to wake themselves up and get grounded again. To enhance this experience, I like to look at a picture of a quiet, peaceful, calming place in nature. I want to teleport myself into the image and take a mini escape vacation from the chaotic world. Others can listen to calming meditation music or a guided relaxation imagery audio recording. This allows me to return to my window of tolerance. 
So when experiencing hyperarousal, they want to focus on grounding and calming techniques or moving the body. When experiencing hypoarousal, you want to focus on stimulating the body. You can also do breathing, but it's trying to get that stagnant energy moving again. One can practice yoga or briefly stepping outside to breathe in crisp morning air. Even feeling the sunlight on your skin can be very soothing. All these tips can support one in returning to their window of tolerance. So I hope you enjoyed this blog post about understanding the window of tolerance. The next two blog posts will be interviews, and I want everyone to have a fantastic day. Thanks for listening, and I will be back soon. Take care.